0: Um, there was just no real equity. There wasn't real, like, real justice being served for people, and I kind of just, you know, decided to do some things on my own. Welcome
1: to season two of the Disabled Debrief podcast with Conscious Being Magazine. I'm your usual host, Lydia Wilkins, and for this series we're mixing up our format just a little bit. This episode we are talking to a model, an activist, and an influencer. You may have seen her profiled in Refinery29 recently. She's also huge on Instagram and TikTok, and I'd like her to introduce herself to you.
0: Hello everyone, first off to start, Lydia, thank you so much for having me here, super excited to have an inclusive conversation with you today. My name is Paula Caroso. I am an inclusive activist and a disabled content creator over in Sunnyside, Miami, Florida. I love to spread awareness on disability, redefine disability, and really get nitty-gritty on the equity and injustice of disability.
1: Congratulations on the recent profile on Refinery29. That was just amazing to see in terms of disability representation, to see somebody who was disabled, but also in terms of the disability not being seen as something tragic or to be pitied for people who have not met you or for our listeners who may not have come across your Instagram or your TikTok, for example. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself, what you do and why?
0: Yeah, so my journey to activism actually started when I started feeling very unfulfilled in my corporate PR job. I went to school for public relations and business and I graduated and I started working in a couple PR firms in Miami. I acquired a disability when I was about five. I went into a tonsillectomy surgery for the removal of my tonsils. And in that surgery, I had brain damage to a malpraxy. So coming out of the surgery, the brain damage didn't appear instantly. It actually came about a week or two weeks after the surgery, my parents started noticing that I was acting up and they immediately saw that it was neurological damage. So they took me into the hospital where I was put in a whole bunch of observations and you know people trying to see um, what I had. And then within the couple first days of being in the hospital, the doctors, what they saw was that there was brain damage at a very accelerated rate. So they induced me into a coma and efforts to stop the brain damage from proceeding but the brain damage really didn't stop in the coma because when I, when they woke me, I was essentially quadriplegic. So um, long story short, the hospital at the end of it didn't really have a diagnosis for me, which uh, sent us out to immigrate over to the U S because every doctor, this was this also all of this happened while I'm Venezuela, I'm Venezuelan. And then we had to move over, to the U.S. to secure and try to see some advanced treatment options for me. Um, Growing up, you know, my parents had a great job and made it uh, very well laid out to me that I can make things inclusive and accessible uh, for me, but going into adulthood with a disability things got rough because they weren't around anymore to make things inclusive and accessible when they really weren't. Um, so growing up, I started seeing all of the challenges that people face, not only socially in the social infrastructure of design, but also in the inequity of in the workplace and in the inequity of benefits. There was just so many conversations to be had. And I went out to start a job and you know, I just wasn't feel, feeling fulfilled anymore. I wasn't feeling like It was my path anymore to be sitting there. And I realized I hadn't had a real inclusive, diverse client. I was working in the fashion industry. And back in the day, including Black in the Runway was already made you diverse. And I saw a huge problem with that because they were, they were just kind of checking off a checklist on what made them diverse, but they were really getting into what was going on in the world and really being inclusive and diverse. So I saw a huge gap and I myself decided to become responsible and to change, make a change. Yeah, no, I agree. And there was always like a huge gap, you know, things weren't, um, there was just no real equity. There wasn't real like real justice being served for people and i kind of just you know decided to do some things on my own you know for me i like for me it's been most of all on the impact that i've been able to create and the reward you know i do work with a lot of brands i do work with many um people who want to get inclusive and who want to learn how to really reach my community but the best reward i have received is when people tell me you know today i saw an elevator that wasn't working and there was someone who needed it and you know i made it my priority to call up you know the the tech people or i saw somebody parked in a spot in a disability handicap spot um they didn't have the tag i went out and i asked them if they had the tag. you know if they should be parked here so for me i think that's immediately where it is very, very evident and very clear that my job is getting a lot further than I really ever thought it would. And I think that is the most rewarding process anybody or feeling anybody can have when it's not monetary because it's, you know, I guess I do make money through this journey, but it's not like it's the only gain I'm looking to make.
1: Earlier, you talked about not feeling fulfilled when working in the PR slash corporate world. Has that changed since? Do you feel fulfilled now, for example?
0: Yes, because now I immediately feel as though I am in the place at the right time, at the right space and time. Um, And I think it's because I am simply living out my life on social platforms, trying to initiate and create change. So for me... I feel like for a long time, after neglecting that I had to heal certain things, I am finally now able to live those out freely with a community that we've all built together.
1: When it comes to your Instagram feed, it's quite notable how, for example, When it comes to mobility aids, such as using a cane, they are just in the background. They are purely incidental. Um, And you very often it's just there. It's not to make a point that this is a mobility aid. You have effectively, for want of a better word, you have effectively normalised such a thing. When it comes to on-screen representation of disability, I wanted to ask your thoughts about that. Why do you think that's important when it comes to on-screen time in the UK, for example, actors who have a disability when it's not part of the show, for example, had less than 10% of the screen time. There was a statistic about this last year, so less than 10% of all of our cultural programming has someone who is disabled.
0: That's shocking um i just you know i think when i entered this space there are so many problems that have gone unheard there are so many things that people really you know don't um it. things that people take very lightly when they shouldn't you know these are problems and issues that people are facing every day And when I entered this platform, I knew I couldn't be an activist for everyone. I knew that there were some things that simply weren't gonna be a match for me to fight for, but if I could spread awareness somehow, I'm gonna do it because I feel that it's a little grain of salt that we can add together to really make a difference about things. So while not everyone's problem is my problem, Technically, it is. Because that's what we do as activists, you know, we kind of have to come out here and see what we can do for everyone and for everyone going through things. I can't say I will 100% be there in everything that they need me to do. But I can say I will show up at a 20 to 25% somehow.
1: This might be a potentially controversial question. When it comes to activism, do you feel that sometimes there is an emotional labor attached to that? If
0: there is, what do you think about that? Uh, you know, I've been facing that since I was a young girl. Um, you know, just the odd questions people ask and how, how different people can really make you feel. And in terms of activism, I wouldn't be able to be where I am and I wouldn't be able to talk about the things that I talk about or create awareness about the things I create awareness on if I wouldn't have healed the things I went through with those experiences. So for example, I talk about self-love a lot and how I got to a state to love myself, you know, in a way where we constantly live in a world who is trying to kick you off at times from loving yourself. And for me, the the self-love journey that I have put myself in has been immense. Um, It has actually been one of the most hard, challenging things I have had to do. And I think that's also emotional labor because the fact that I can now speak about it so freely and so well, it's because I kind of already went through it. And that allows me to kind of take a step up and show up for a community of people who need my voice or who are going through it. So there are a lot of emotional ties and labor that we have to put into this job. But I think as activists, you can clearly see the growth we are going through and how far ahead we're willing to go by the personal challenges we're facing. We show that on our social platforms with the things we talk about, with the things we advocate for. And if you truly see it, it's really there. Like what, what, what these activists are ready to do based on what they've healed.
1: It's very interesting to hear you talk about self-love and in asking probably the most obvious question that you can, how do you practice self-love In the UK, for example, we talk a lot about journaling, for example. What do you do on a day-by-day basis?
0: So a lot of people always ask me that because I preach it a lot on my social media. But I always preach that my routine is not going to be everybody's routine because self-love is such a unique and just this self journey that you have to be selfish to go through that I can't really tell you, you know, this is what I do and this is what's gonna work for you. I started my self-love journey by journaling a lot, meditating every day and yoga every day religiously. Those are like my three key pointers um, in my self-love journey. Now I switched it up a bit. I don't write as much. I only write when I feel that I have to. I go out and I connect with nature a lot when I need to. I went, I went vegetarian. I don't eat meat anymore. Um, I meditate every night and I do Pilates every day. Your self journey is not based on these strict routines. It's based on what makes you feel good. And it's based on what gives you a space to give yourself 30 minutes a day, 50 minutes a day, to feel good with no work noise, with no kids around, with no chores around. And even though that those things get hard, you need to focus on the activities that make you feel good. I can give you a list of things that make me feel good, but they might not make you feel good. So I definitely say prioritize on the things that you feel give you space to breathe give you space to grow all of that what would be your list of things that you've just mentioned well like i said journaling i started with journaling meditating i stopped eating meat now because i'm against meat my body just doesn't process meat therefore i wasn't feeling good half of the time um i went from yoga to pilates i meditate i journal now when i have to I travel a lot. I find that traveling is my biggest therapy. Whenever I feel like things are like crowded and it's too much for me, I hop on a plane and I go like whatever chance I get. Um, That's like my disconnect. But you know, everybody has their own way to heal and disconnect.
1: I'm aware that we're coming to the end of our time together in this very short Zoom session. So I have two questions for you to round this podcast up. First of all, for people who wish to follow in your activist footsteps, what would be your advice and why? And is there anything else that you would like to add? That's something that I have always asked interviewees just because sometimes they have a burning question or something that they wish to say, but haven't had the opportunity to?
0: I would say you need to, You first, you need to realize that, like I previously said, you can't solve and you can't advocate for everybody. You need to advocate for the things you feel most um, powerful in, and you need to advocate for the things that feel most connected to you. Why? Because those are the those are the advocacy topics that will have most success because they're driven by your passion, by your heart. If you're trying to thrive in a project that's simply not there for you, chances are you won't commit to the time that you need. You won't execute at the same level that you would in a project that you feel powerful for. And you're just not going to be presently there. So save yourself that time. And like I said previously, If you know you can help in a certain way by shouting out, by giving out the message, by talking about it, great. But if you know that you can't be there for that project of the 100%, find the way that you can and just do that. Another thing is um, I feel that people go crazy with big followings and people go crazy with trying to build this crazy communities and this crazy following when the most the more advocate the more niche that your market is for advocating the more niche the smaller that it is chances are the most potential it'll have I'm not saying that advocates don't have potential when they have a huge following. of course you do but your inner reach should be your community first why because you might know people that are going through the same things that you're going through you might have better access to your local officials, your local government offices, all of that. So instead of thinking so big and so beyond which that's good, that's not bad, try to start small first in a way where you can um create impact locally first. You have to know what you're fighting for. You have to know your laws. You have to know how the system or how the institution is overpassing your rights. So you have to read You know, you have to become educated on those things. And I would say that the last thing is you need to know that you are a human that deserves the same rights as anybody else would. So you need to prioritize your needs and you need to prioritize your basic existence. That itself, that mindset is going to create the path of your advocacy career. I think we covered it all I always say if anybody has questions or anything they can always email me dm me I'm always there for people as I'm trying to be very very there it's hard nowadays but yeah I always say if you guys have any questions if you guys always reach out to me um because I feel that at times when you're speaking to the people who are already in the you know in the conversations they can really be, be a great guidance for you.